All right, so we're back to the film queue. It's been a few weeks since the last episode with Jeffrey where we're talking about Fight Club. Um, so we're going to do it up. We're going to change it, have a new format. We're having a new... For every week and a new release comes out, we're going to be talking about films that are sort of similar to the new release. So for this week, we've got Dunkirk, Valerian, and a ghost story. We're going to tackle... Uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. And today, we're here with Victor, my brother. Howdy. And Jake's second podcast appearance. But uh, wait. It's... <laughs> so next week, <laughs> we may have recorded a bit out of order. So next week, he's going to be here again for The Revenant. But it's his first appearance, so do not be as shocked when I mention that next episode. It's not the worst thing. It's not like this is a Kurosawa film. Nothing has to be chronologically done in order. <laughs> no, but it's just it's just the fact that he, he's the last one of the podcast, 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 podcast to appear. So I made a mention of that, that I was like, oh, I finally got all of them. But now all that's for moot because it doesn't even matter. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Hi, hi. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Did you make that same joke last time or next time? Oh, we're gonna be Ooh. making that joke the whole show, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we probably will. I think I did. Yeah, because then I said thank you because we're recording at your place. It's a new studio. Yeah, we've been slowly trying to build the uh, the podcast, 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 podcast studio here. Was that and, too many? Yeah, no, that was about right. He I, had to put five because this is technically a podcast studio, and he had oh. to name the title of. See, he, yeah, he gets it. Thank, he gets thank it. you. Thank you. Thank you. I know. <laughs> it's been a long day for all of us. It has been. Yeah, we've uh, we've recorded a lot of episodes today, actually, of, on on different platforms and different mediums and whatnot. So I've been in this room for about six hours straight. You guys, your brains must be melted at this point. I, I was at work, so I was melted for another reason. It gets hot in here. It really does. I'm trying to match. I'm wearing my brother's chef hat right now. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but it looks amazing on me. It is. It's fantastic. And that'll be good because the headphones do get a little heavy over time. So that's one of the reasons I got a hat on, too. It's smart. Oh, shit. That yeah. mean I need to do that next time? Well. Pro tips. Yeah. yeah now I know. It's it's like radio attire, I guess. You got you to gotta <laughs> wear a hat to make it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. To be official. Yeah. I'm going to get you a custom hat. I don't know what it's going to say, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm sort of nervous. Don't worry. It won't be racially charged. Not this time, at least. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where should we start with Inception? Because I mentioned it to you, Victor, and you were essentially ecstatic and just like jumped at the chance to join this. Yeah, I've never been one to join in on a podcast slash anything to do with recording myself. So when you mentioned that it was going to be Inception-based, I had no problem joining in. I think that's that's a huge asset, too, when you, you want to jump in on something like this, is having a wealth of knowledge, like a base of knowledge. So you just feel comfortable with the material as it is, and you just let it flow out of you, as it were. You know? Starter question, how many times have you guys seen it? I think like between eight and ten times. Probably. I'm probably closer to 20. 
Damn. Yeah, same about 20. I think I've seen a bunch of them with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just like randomly at one in the morning, we're like, we don't want to sleep, but. And then we just put Inception in without saying a word. Yeah, pretty much. And then watch the whole thing. I have uh, the Blu-ray copy, the DVD copy, and then for some reason a digital copy. And I've seen all three versions of it. And I can <laughs> tell you right now, there's no real difference. Yeah. Um, I think I have it on DVD, potentially, but I just watched some of it last night on Netflix, which helped. Oh, same, except I watched the DVD version and I fell asleep halfway because I've seen it way too often at what point did you stop because i stopped about an hour in right when the dream sequence was starting and then i was like oh it's one in the morning i work at 10 i should probably get some sleep Mm. i accidentally went horizontal on my couch uh immediately after they picked up eames tom hardy's character um and that was just before they started teaching ariadne how to create mazes and dreams So at that point, I was like, I know the rest of this. It's no big deal if I just pass out for a little while. And of course, a little while ended up being about an hour of movie time that I missed. And I wake up to immediately after Saito, Ken Watanabe's character, has been shot. And they're in in that warehouse, and they're all freaking out. When did I stop watching it? I I didn't. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, when's the last time you watched it? (laughs) Last time I watched it, um, I I, should have watched it last night, like you guys did. But... um, you weren't Jeez. fully aware that this was going to happen because no one, I wasn't even sure either, but. <laughs> oh, uh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But it's, it's a film I've seen enough times that I can, I can draw on. So, so I, I deserve to be here. Um, the last time I saw it was probably about a year ago. That's too long. About that's, that's eight, 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 eight months ago. Yeah. It has been a bit of time. I guarantee by the time we're done here, you're going to be like. Hey, do you want to watch it? <laughs> yes. I'll probably watch it tomorrow after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Are we going to talk about scenes all of a sudden here? Is that what we're going to do? Well, we wanted to figure out where you start, but when you start the movie off, it doesn't start at the beginning of the film. It actually starts at the, the end. end of the film. Yeah. Jeez. So if you were to start, start talking about it, wouldn't it be from the point where they start inside that chalet i guess it's like a swiss chalet and they have uh saito sitting on one end of the table and you have uh you have dom and you have arthur sitting across from each other trying to get the information out of them what i noticed in that scene and i didn't realize that until about the second time when i watched the movie that when he mentions that uh ken watanabe's character looked at a portion of the wall like there was a safe there you don't realize that until you watch it again yeah. And the movie does that throughout. There's always small things like that that you're just going to pick up every time. And I, what was the other one? Considering I fell asleep way too early, um, it was Ariadne when she mentioned uh, Dom's wife, Maul. Yeah. And you don't... She, she asks Arthur, how was she? And Arthur asks, or Arthur replies, she was lovely. You don't get that sense from it until you watch it again a second time and you see how she interacts with Dom inside um, on the beach when they're on the bridge holding hands and, and cuddling. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of small nuances throughout the film like that that just, just that give it this sense that you do need to watch it multiple times. Oh, it definitely oh, helps. Yeah. It definitely is. There's, it's, it is a film that I feel like you only get about at the most, but 
50 to 60 percent the first time around there's a lot of unanswered questions obviously but there's these subtle nuances that you're talking about that are both foreshadowing and 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 uh what's the opposite of foreshadowing i guess flashback um we'll go with that for the sake of time yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh but you, you really have – you don't have context the first time around, and you also don't pick up on all of it because it is so mm-hmm. fantastical. And it's – oh, man. I, I That's another one of – I'm not this guy. It's another one of those films that I've paid to see twice. I paid to see it twice in the theater, which I, I don't do. I, the Watchmen was one, and – No, I think you, you made a mistake there. I, I liked it, man. I, I, I I Watchmen. really enjoyed it. Yeah, about I, twice I in theater. It was a long, yeah, it was yeah, a long. I don't know slog. about watching it again in the theater, especially not like opening, like when it was released. If they had another showing now, I probably would go see it, but then probably not. One of the main reasons was uh, the person who introduced it to me, the Watchmen to me was my dad. He gave me the graphic novel, right? And the second viewing, he's like, "Hey, it's it's, it's fucking Saturday night. I've got nothing to do. Do you want to go watch the Watchmen?" Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, let's do it. The first time I saw it in the theater, I was, uh, I believe we went, and I was bored. I wasn't there with you. No? No. Okay, I think with, think with Dad and some Probably. cousins. The first time I saw it was, unfortunately, opening night. It was oh. like midnight, Thursday, 12 o'clock into Friday, oh. and I made the mistake of showing up there with work to go to the day after and sitting through about a three-hour movie and most of it's really political yeah so if you're not set for that if that's not the mindset you're in and i wasn't at the time three hours is a slog yeah it is that's yeah. how i felt the and first time i was like i need this and i'm bored <laughs> yeah especially the middle section there's there it slows down pretty considerably i mean it came out what 2008 Roughly 2007, 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, yeah, I would have been so. like 14, 15 at Good the time. Good recollection. I never would have picked up the date. I would have been doing my math down here, yeah. like failing real hard. <laughs> no, I I know too many release dates. <laughs> you know what was really funny or frustrating and funny about the first time viewing it was I was with a bunch of my younger friends at the time, and every time Doctor Manhattan came on frame, they were like blooping really loud in the theater every fucking time he came on scene and it turned it came to the point where this guy and uh, like about five rows in front of us on a date and he like turned right around and stood up and like yelled at it. they were all oh, it was a fucking disaster those idiots i'm gonna mention oh, a question God. about that all right uh, just uh as dr manhattan with the complete c- complete control of atomic structure throughout the universe would you not want to give yourself a bigger penis in that instance? Well, not only bigger, and and wouldn't you understand how human modesty works as well? Like you, you just well, that's the thing though, because he removed himself from humanity, but he hasn't removed himself from holding a human shell. Well, he could be anything. There's yeah. a scenes when he's like at war in Vietnam. He's wearing and he's massive, the, and he's got he's got like, like a underwear, th- a thong yeah. on, yeah, yeah. like you're. But remember, that was because that was the military. That was the U.S. government asking him to wear that. True, true. So huh. he was he was only in the war because the U.S. intervened and asked him to. Now, and okay. so he joined. Now my question is, how big of a penis does one need, though? To the knee, I think that's to fair. the knee. That's a <laughs> lot of dick to be swinging around if you're doing science hey, all day. You you want to scare the Viet Cong? That's true. Why not? God, that's that's one hell of a. <laughs> That's a that's a real bikini hammock. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, there's the scene where like he uh. duplicates himself for like the sex scene. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's That's like, skillful. And he's shaving. Yeah. Why does he need to shave? Yeah. Where is hair follicles? The man is like hairless throughout. And then she finds out that he's just outside doing like. Yeah, he's shaving in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, and he's doing his tie somewhere else too. Those, that uh, guy has some weird strengths. So Watchmen. <laughs> that was my the, bad. I'm sorry. The second time I wanted to like, I saw it years later, and I reevaluated. It. I was like, oh, this is much better than I remembered. It's probably my mm-hmm. favorite Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Um, but it was more so than the Spider Man's. Wait, what? He did Spider Man, didn't he? No. Which one did he do? He Man did of Steel. Man of Steel. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, you're right. It was way better. I think than it's Man Sam Raimi. I am. Yeah. My bad. Uh. So, Inception. Yeah. Oh, um, I was going to mention before we kind of backtracked off or or went on a tangent. Um, I remember reading that Christopher Nolan did, I think it was nine years of research to write the script. And he kept talking to dream and sleep analysts. And he talked talked to a whole bunch of, um, I think it was cognitive therapists as well, just to kind of see what dream structures are like. And I I don't know if any of that script is scientific, but it feels scientific enough to me for me to believe it. Absolutely, yeah. From from like how I understand Interstellar, he did the same thing with that, and he tried to be as like scientific as possible in layman's terms. Yeah, but then at the same time, he would find instances of being like, "Well, we have our science, and now we just need a good scene." So like, I feel. Maybe for Inception, he did similar things where at points he was just like, well, let's just make part of the city go on top of itself because it looks fucking amazing. So yeah, after or, all this time. Or, or the rotating hallway scene, too. The rotating hallway fight. That's, one of, that's, in my opinion, one of the greatest cinematic fight scenes that to date. And yep. it looks so realistic because they actually they built the fucking thing. They mm-hmm. built the hallway and rotated the hallway. Like, that's... It's so big concept. I don't know anybody who's really thought like that level before. I think I saw a music video like that once. I'm just saying. Yeah? yeah. Mm. Well, I think he sort of took that idea from, like, Space Odyssey and then, like, multiplied it by 100. It was, yeah. And was just like, let's he get adapted a fight it to his it. own script and threw a fight scene in there? Yeah. Yeah, but I just the fact like, that there's no real science to back up what's going on on the level above is going to affect it on that scale. And, and we're talking about a cinematic I think, fight. Technically scene. there might be, they never say it, but like in the opening dream sequence, when Dom's going into the water, into the tub, mm-hmm. you have the water pouring in from the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, uh, I mean, in like actual scientific, yeah, rec- yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not, ouch, but you, you've experienced that though. We all, I have a great anecdote about, Outside experiences affecting your dream. Oh, and Uh-oh. they do. Yeah, I know that for a fact. That I don't they know what can. this is gonna be. It was when my oh. brother <laughs> was oh. about eight years old. Uh-oh. I was, I was. No, you're young. You're like five. I was like four. You're like five, four, five, six. Yeah, I know that I was like eleven, twelve, or thirteen. Yeah, because we were still at the building, and Pokemon was a real big thing to us back then. Yeah, it's like time hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So we wake up one morning. It's a Saturday, and I wake up earlier than he did this time for some reason. 
And I'm watching TV, and of course I get bored, and I look at my brother peacefully sleeping beside me in his bed. Yeah, we shared a room for way too long. Yeah. Beyond that, that that recollection of embarrassing moments of our lives. That's um, five. It's out of my control. Of course it was fine for you. You're <laughs> friggin' five. Doesn't yeah. matter to you. Um. Anyway, so he's asleep in his bed, and of course I get bored. I crawl over to him, and I start whispering into his ears as he's asleep. Oh my god. There's a squirtle. You should catch it. You should go. Oh ISNC role played for him from the outside. A whole scene of him like traveling through Pallet Town to Viridian City oh or whatever, God, catching really? Pokemon. And I asked him the morning of, I think it was the same day, I was like, So what'd you dream of? And he turns to his like, I was dreaming about Pokemon. <laughs> I had a nightmare that I still <laughs> to this day remember of me waking up in the same room, which was like really weird. But I woke up, got scared, had gone to my parents' room, and then got scared shitless because a ghastly appeared in the corner. That would be fucking terrifying. It was because it was like so live action-y, but not. It was just there, and I just vividly remember it happening. Well, yeah, well, think about it. Like, it's a giant ball of smoke with eyeballs and a huge toothy grin. That's just like coming in from the corner in the shadows. That would be fucking terrifying. Yeah. Especially for a fucking five-year-old kid. It's yeah. scary shit. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. That's actually a good segment. Like, um, do you have any uh, recollection where you've... Because I know this happened to me. I used to wake up to the radio all the time. Like, you used just, to fall asleep to the radio. Yeah. yeah. So I, rem- I have many, many memories of waking up, going back to sleep, and then having that short dream sequence when you fall back into sleep. And being incredibly weird and vivid and then you wake up and realize that you've been listening to the host tell, tell you tell a yeah. weird news story yeah. like that was exactly what I was just dreaming yeah. it's because it's right there in your head do you have any memories like that absolutely i'd be sleeping and i wake up to the sound of a of a truck honking its horn and i remember vividly that being in the dream and there was a truck about to smash into me and whoever i was hanging out with in the dream it's 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 the auditory experience that you get while you're asleep because i think that that and I think it's touch are the only two senses that, well, other than like hunger, because that's a real sense. There's more than five. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Well, they're, um, they're called subsenses, right? It's like hunger and fear and all these other things where they, they impact your, your they're, they're They're uncontrolled uh, systems in your body that make you do or make you want to do certain things. Yeah, breathing so, and yeah, heartbeat. Well, that, and, yeah. those are autonomic senses too. Um, but I think it's touch and sound are the only two that you are actively engaged with when you're asleep. So when you hear something or like the whole hand in the warm water, so you pay yourself trick. Those are the only two real senses that activate. Because, hmm. well, you can't really taste anything. You're, you're asleep. Yeah, you can't see anything. Your About eyes a year and a half ago, I fell asleep on the couch watching Looper. Um, all I remember is... It's a scene, I believe, where Paul Dano's character is, like, trying to drive away. And the next thing I knew, I fell asleep, and I'm in the car next to him, trying to get away as all his limbs are disappearing. So the car's swerving back and forth, (laughs) and I'm freaking out. And then I sort of wake up because I made an audible noise, and my hands are, like, positioned as if I'm the one driving the car. As I'm lying down on the couch, and I was like, I gotta go upstairs and sleep. <laughs> I, I should not be up anymore. Yeah, you should probably get horizontal in an actual bed if, if you get to that point. 
Good lord. I, I, I don't think I've ever done anything sort of sleepwalking in my life. Mm-hmm. Once. Once. My parents have a story, yeah. They have a story when I was like three or four. And uh, I've woken up my closet a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I wake up and I try to trace the logic back. I think I would just get up and I'm thinking I'm getting ready. Just go to school mm-hmm. and then just sort of like sit down in the pile of clothes because they're comfortable and fall back to sleep. Like a kitten. Kind of. Adorable. Yeah. Or a loose, loose puppy or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but the one, the one time, not adorable, uh, my parents had family friends over. And this is like around 11 o'clock, so I've been asleep for a few hours, and they're having like probably the third bottle of wine at this point. And they just, my friend's dad sort of says like, hey, your son's at the top of the stairs over there. And they all turn around, and I'm standing there with like my head kind of down with a weird smile on my face. I'm like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's really creepy, right? I've seen it's, enough horror films to be like, I know where this is going. So yeah, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> All the conversation stops, and they, my dad just sort of like gets up and walks over, and he's like, "You okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like, you want to <laughs> go back to bed now? He's like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> Scored me back to bed. I went right back to bed. I, I, I don't know. I have no recollection. Nothing. Just decided See, to be really I feel creepy. Like after all the horror films I've seen, if I had a kid that did that, I was like, "Where do I?" I don't believe in religion, but I need to call a priest as <laughs> soon as possible. Yeah, that, that's your first answer. Probably. Call a priest. Oh, you got to take care of that yourself. No one's going to save you. This priest didn't save anybody in The Exorcist. He ended up dying. Remember? Yeah. You're, you're both of them his, did. I yeah. just saw it like a few yep. weeks ago. Yeah. Their blood is on your hands. <laughs> That's fine. Take care. Just push the kid down the stairs. This, <laughs> you're good. No, it's like that scene in that uh, that elevator prank where the guy's protecting his girlfriend and the little girl shows up and he just boots the kid. Yeah. That would be my reaction. Yeah. I, I don't care. If some possessed child shows up in front of me, I'm booting that thing right in the face. I'm getting should. the fuck out of here. One of its multiple faces. One of its multiple you know, there's, faces. There's several yeah. on there. Oh, yeah. Vagina dentata is a thing. Look it up. It's great. <laughs> so Inception. <laughs> Nolan's a genius. I love, I love Nolan. I really do. He's the type of filmmaker I think that until... I'm within like a week span of just watching one of his films. I sort of forget how great he can be. Like this weekend, uh, we saw Dunkirk. We went to go see it. Are we allowed to talk about it? No, I'm going to try not to. Like we can be vague. We're was struggling it, to not talk. I'm looking looked, at you in the eyes right we now. Can, we can talk about. It looked really good. Was it good? Visually, it was great. I enjoyed all of the cinematography um, from the 20 minutes that we missed. <laughs> it we was good from that late. point. Yeah, we got there pretty late. It was my fault. We ended up driving to Vaughn instead of Mississauga. Whoops. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I've done but, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we kind of hit, we, we flirted on the pedal and we ended up making it was about 20 minutes into the movie. So we, we were, we, we questioned it. I don't know. Am I, I how much we missed? be honest yeah we we have no idea but we do know that and whatnot it's, well, it's always hard to gauge right? so it played we went the reason why we went to mississauga was because they're showing it on imax 70 millimeter oh fancy and because yeah. of that to show the previews they need to be on the film as well on the reel and i don't know if they were because for hateful eight or fantastic beast when i saw it on 70 mil or interstellar there's no trailers 
it just start. So I believe that it started right away, but uh, we I have guess, no real indication yeah. of the actual start time. Yeah, you and here's the other thing there. about the movie. Yeah. The part that made it super confusing is I don't know if it's because he intentionally left it that way, but we had no idea who the characters were. They gave oh, no names. I'm pretty sure it's not because we stayed for the credits and there was like any. It was more of descriptive names than actual character names. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's, the movie just, from what we saw, throws you into the shit. You just have to figure it out. It's told not linear. If you've ever seen a season four of Arrested Development, it's very similar to that. <laughs> but okay. different viewpoints, and you you just kind of have to pick up the story and remember sort where you put are. It together and the impressive part was that no matter where you where he ended up cutting to, whose point of view it was, you you remember exactly where you were twenty minutes ago when you watched that scene before it cut away to someone else, and it all just meshes together. And the movie was what two hours ish? One forty seven, if I remember, if I read right. One forty seven, like each each character or each storyline within the main whole Dunkirky thing, was maybe twenty minutes a person probably. Hmm. But he played it off so well, and it it all just all the camera angles worked out great for who was telling the story from their side. Cool. And I would probably watch it again, but yeah, this I time in it. digital. Yeah, I want to. I, I'm gonna call it easy. Just head to Scotiabank and see it there. Uh, yeah, it was really nice to see it on film. It was nice to see the flicker in it at all, but that flicker annoyed the crap out of me for the first ten minutes. It's you have to get used to it. I think like I I go out of my way to watch things on film. I mean, you were telling me you went to see Strange Days yesterday on thirty five. Yeah, that shit hurt. How dirty was it? It was bad. Okay. It, it it was genuinely recorded in the '90s. You can tell from the terrible soundtrack and 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 um, the big fat ties they wore. It was <laughs> it was it was disgustingly great. Currently, uh, Tiff Bell Lightbox is doing like a retrospective on Catherine Bigelow films. Okay. So they were showing Strange Days. You ever seen it, Jake? No, I haven't seen Strange Days. I have not either. No. I highly recommend you get high before you watch it. Okay. Uh, that would probably help. I'm just saying, it's super weird. Have you ever seen, um, I, I forget the actual name of the movie. I, it might be Johnny Mnemonic was the character Keanu Reeves That's played. That's the movie it's called. Okay, well, it's it's similar to that. Oh, oh, I haven't seen that, but I do remember that. I do remember that the trailer for that. It, but I'm aware of it. I'm, I'm, I'm aware about... of that. Yeah, and yeah. it was uh, weird. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna it, talk to you about about Strange Days anyway, since you guys are gonna watch it and you guys are screwed. You're gonna have to figure it out. Um, <laughs> so it's it's. They called them squids. Really, they're just like those little encephalograph helmets that they put on your head, and it records everything you see, touch, taste, like all the senses and whatever. And then it records it to like a little mini disc because for some reason CDs weren't created in the 90s um, <laughs> or, or SD cards. So they put on these little mini discs, and then someone else gets to watch it, and they are essentially you. So they get to experience everything he did. Similar to Johnny Monic, where he like downloads all the data and he just stores it all in his head. But this is more of like a, a murder, murdery thriller type movie, and you get to watch It sounds like Minority Report. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's possibly. Of... But except that Minority Report had uh had the, the precog. Yeah, the, the precogs stuff. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This has none of that. It's essentially just Ralph Fiennes running around and finally That's who's in it, yes. Yeah. And so, Angela Bassett? Angela Bassett. Yeah. 
Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Right. Oh, very 90s. Very. And yeah. it's not like it's going to be a name you're going to hear ever again, really. <laughs> think about it. I think she's in Black Panther. Is she? What? I think so. Brian really? Schisler's, like pulling out all the stops. He's getting uh, as many uh, like African-American actors to get in it as possible. Please tell me Wesley Snipes is in it. Oh, no. God, He's my so. 90s hero. I hope so. Even if it's just for like six seconds. Just yes. To, just a cutaway. Just him. He's just there. Dressed as Blade. <laughs> yes. Just wish. Dressed as... Actually, that will work, though. Because be Blade's amazing. part of the DC... Uh, the yeah. MCU. Yeah. That would be amazing. Just, just hanging... Yeah. Yeah. All right. They could do the same thing they did for Sucks, first guys. class. <laughs> no, for real. Like, they go into the bar looking for some help. And he's just there just like having fuck a drink. Off. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Go fuck yourself. I can't remember. It's been a while. It was go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yes. 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 Internet, make this happen. Make it happen. Start a GoFundMe. Ryan Coogler, hear our words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Inception. <laughs> These tangents are fantastic. Is this what it's like every time? Honestly, yes. That's partly my fault. I'm, I'm a tangenty kind of guy. No, these are great though, because I I I don't feel like I if I were to talk about Inception for about an hour and a half, you would want to watch it ever again. <laughs> yeah. I would just see, I would just dissect it to the point where see, it's before our format was like we'd watch the new movie of the week, so it'd be like half hour on Dunkirk and then a thirty minute question on what's Nolan's most underrated film or something, and then we would talk about that. So people who've been listening are used to our tangents. So this title is going to be like Inception and Watchmen and Strange Days and Johnny Mnemonic. And Don those Don are all going to be your tags. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope someone picks this up just for the Johnny Mnemonic tag. That would be I fantastic. So. I mean, I think it might have like, I love it. But my first appearance on the podcast, 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 podcast was <laughs> something, something and torture porn. Yeah. Ooh. Um. Jesus, I got childhood in, memories and torture that's porn. It. That's what we ended up talking about. I got in real depth. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it got weird. Well, actually, it didn't get that weird. It just got dark yeah. at times. And the funniest thing was is that that episode was huge in Japan. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That that was our biggest episode in Japan and Finland. Uh, ever since then, I haven't that's seen the same numbers in either of those places. <laughs> not even what, do you, close. what do you think drew those crowds? <laughs> I, Must I, have been the childhood memories. Of course, yeah, yeah right. Absolutely, like so cute. Our our biggest episode is uh, Magic Mike XXL, which I'm like, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that is your favorite movie, so it's one of them. It's it's up there. Have you seen it yet, Jake? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I haven't brought myself to see it. yet. I highly recommend it. It's I've Channing heard it's Tatum's great. What am I? I've heard it's fantastic. I heard both of them are really good. Yeah. The first one's like darker, and then they're just like, we need to be more fun, and they and, did it very well. Yeah, second one's like, we're going to Vegas, and we're gonna make like big time money, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of. But I, I don't know. I, I just this every time I try and rationalize it in my head, I'm like, okay, that just sounds stupid. You just sound like you're being homophobic. But I, I don't know. Like if I ever see it, there's always something else beside it that I kind of like. Well, I'll watch that instead. Yeah. You know, I fair. It just there's nothing. I do the same. Besides enjoying the um, dancing, I guess, there's not much there for me, I think. It's, and I say that knowing that I haven't seen it. It's also, to me, one of those like team dynamic films where it's like, the reason why a movie's so good 
it's because you have like this affinity with all the crew true so it's just like oh i get to hang out with it for an hour and a half or two hours with these people and that's kind of why i still watch the flash tv show because it's up and down but i love all those characters so much that i'm going to come back every week yeah so with magic mike it's like there there are things that i probably wouldn't have wanted to go see like a movie like that before but then i saw it opening weekend and it was one of the best movie experiences i've seen because people are cheering it's like a midnight like cult type of experience that i had yeah I, i've heard people that were like, like screaming like and cheering. And scre- yeah losing their minds in the theater it was it was so much fun it was i had gone to see it with jeffrey and we were i'm pretty sure we were like the only two like casual dudes walking in by yourselves yeah yeah I believe that. I bet that would have been kind of neat to to be a part of. Of that would like just how the energy in that room would have been would have been really unique. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an experience. Maybe like I want to liken it almost like to a Star Wars viewing because I remember when I was seeing the last one, and uh, like people cheered as soon as you know the title card. As soon as the title, people like started screaming. When you when you say last one, do you mean Force Awakens or Rogue One? Oh, Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. Because Rogue One was not as eventful. It's also cheered, but not the same. Oh, it was eventful. You okay? Um, I don't know if you've seen this. Opening day. There's there's like a five minute clip on YouTube of 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 a girl who's being recorded by I guess her boyfriend, and she's watching Rogue One for the first time at home. And she's sitting there calmly, and at the very end of the movie, when they start showing, um, uh, this I, I honestly I forget the name, and people are gonna shit on me for this, but I'm okay with that. Um, the name of the ship that Princess Leia is on, that they have just smuggled the plans for the Death Star onto, she starts freaking out visibly. She's screaming. She's fanning herself. She's throwing things everywhere. She's on her knees crying. Yeah. It was a big deal. A lot of people freaked out about it. Yeah, oh, I I honestly think that it was a lot more in the. Yeah, I felt like it would have sure. been more in the theater. I don't know. I think, I think I realized when Star Wars came back that I always really liked them, at least the original trilogy. But then watching the new ones, I was like, oh, they're good. But I feel like I don't have no real connection to them. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I grew up watching them, but other than that, I was like, they're just movies to me four five and six top one two and three we don't know about six or we don't know about seven eight nine yeah, yeah. all right fair hmm. empire is the best uh are you return of the jedi no <laughs> new hope new hope, new uh, hope. I, think, I, think, I think empires empires pretty good i, I just, everyone likes empire uh, i know it's, it, it's it kind of it's yeah it's a cop-out answer but there's a lot of scenes in that movie that i just absolutely love and return of the jedi there's a lot of mistakes in yeah as much as i love that i love all of them don't get me wrong i don't want to sh- i'm not trying to shit on any of them and, and it's difficult to rank them because they are part of my childhood too but there are a lot of fucking mistakes in return of the jedi and just simple film mistakes and, and stunt mistakes as well mm-hmm. my favorite being is uh, on jabba's barge where luke kicks the guy in the face and he's doesn't like even eight touch feet him. away from the guy but that was a force kick though cop out it's an easy answer fix it's it a, is it was it a force easy kick. Answer he just had fix. to force push him with his toes yeah he's <laughs> good yeah see that's what like why didn't he just force push him that, you know that would have been way cooler he could have just force pushed everyone off the barge 
yeah, that's true. Come on, put it down that way. I guess we didn't have as much um, film magic like oh, we please, do. Please, it was all done by wire teams. Yeah. They just enough. needed more Asians. <laughs> more tiny Asian people. They <laughs> yeah. flung around like lassos. Let's get seven of them on one rope over here. Can we get six over there? And one dude, the one, you, the guy standing by the food tray over by the catering cart. I know you don't work for it. Come here. <laughs> Come on, we'll put you in the credits. Don't worry, you can add that to your resume. No longer the guy that serves the deli tray. So the emotion and inception <laughs> yes. carries that movie. Was it the emotion? I For think you, so. what was it? To me, it's part of like Dom's urgency to finally see his kid. Getting back home. The fact that he lost his wife where DiCaprio lost another wife in another movie because it's an ongoing trend for him. How, how many is that? Three? Four? Uh, seven. That's Probably a good call. Three I don't or four. Know. Did that happen in uh? It was Shutter Island. Blood Diamond? Was it Blood Diamond? No, Blood Diamond. He was by himself. Okay, so there, there's. I'm one gonna count Titanic work. anyway. I was. That's the one I was on the fence about because I mean, Revolutionary I Roads about. A yeah, fuck. He didn't really lose her. They just kind I of. Don't, I don't remember. They, I, I do. Of, I mean, she didn't die, but no, they just kind of you know did the whole hey it's, apart. Yeah, they just, they just kind of broke away. So he Revenant. has a tendency. Revenant, well, yeah, she dies too. So she many. does too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Andy loses. Oh, his she's son. dead. She's dead. It's already happened. I can't remember. That's I funny. That's like the reverse because he ends up going and dying and being with her in the end. So it's like the reverse. Die? Well, I don't He's think dead. he dies. I don't think he dies. He's dead. No, I don't think he dies. So he just sees her. Like yeah, I think that's just a blood loss little... hallucination. I don't think he dies. What does he die for, like? In, in the Exposure? actual story of, of Robert Robert Glass, I think it's Robert Glass. Philip, yeah, Philip Glass. I don't know. He he doesn't die. He doesn't go through near as much as the shit in the movies he does in real life. But he he does he goes through a lot and he still doesn't die in the end. All right. Well, he tracks right. this guy over like six hundred miles of snow too. It's fucking ridiculous. When he, I don't know why we're talking about this now, but we're talking about this now. Um, when he comes did back into Inception, we, has, we yeah. did it next week. <laughs> 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 When he when he met with the other um, other guy from his Pawnee tribe or like the the tribes the tribe person from Pawnee whatever um, he mentioned that his body is poisoned essentially he's dying mind you everyone's dying but that's that's a talk for another time oh, man, but heavy. he's literally dying like his body is so toxic and there's so much necrosis in his arms and his back and even his neck like I don't see him surviving once he stares at the camera he's asking what do I do now yeah. Well, that is the question. Well, what do I do? What would you? Well, that was what we talked about next week. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the things that we really got into was that that look at the end. And I had actually forgotten about that until he, until Andres brought it up. It is one of the weirdest. This is what he says. One of the weirdest broken fourth wall scenes at the very end. It's so strange. All the knots are untied, and the the line is straightened out, and everything's well fixed as much as you can fix them. And yeah. all of a sudden, he stares. He like, all right, so now you know this is a movie. What the what, what, what am I doing? Do I follow this apparition who appears to be my wife, but could actually be just a bear dressed in drag? I don't know. It's pretty, very pretty bear. I, After I, the shit he's I, gone I've seen through, prettier yeah. bears. I've been. Have you been to the zoo lately? Those polar bears. Just we gotta have a talk after the show. <laughs> discussion. Okay. Question about how you felt what, that it was emotionally driven. What do you think drove him more? For uh, obviously Inception, was it 
being with his kids or getting over his, the loss of his wife. Ooh. Because that is where I would question your idea of that it was emotionally driven. There's too much emotion for him. I think it's a mix of both because part Pop of out. it... Yeah, it's kind of. But it's... if I mean, we're going to be getting straight into spoilers if we actually finish having a conversation about Inception. <laughs> but the fact that it's his fault that she died, that she commits suicide, mm-hmm. right? It's that guilt and him wanting to get away. He wants from to alleviate wants, that suffering. Yeah, and he just wants to sort of salvage whatever he can with his kids. Yeah. I, I would argue that it's his kids. Because that's that's all that really is left. Because yeah, he he is still emotionally shattered by what happened with his wife. But I, I think that he's starting to move especially towards the end of the movie, he's really starting to move past that and realizing what is healthy and what isn't and, and clinging on to something no matter how detrimental it is, you have to let it go. But his kids are still there and there's still a possibility that he can, like you said, salvage something with him and have some sort of future uh, that is rosy, you know? Mm-hmm. And besides the fact I think he really just wants to be free too you know there's always been something there ha- there not always but there has been something over his head for as long as the character is existing in the film anyways yeah. and probably for as long as he can remember so that's that is a really huge driving force throughout the entire film I really think yeah, see that was a bit of a loaded question I asked both of you kind of yeah because uh, what's your answer my answer is he's actually fighting for his sanity. Oh, yeah. His entire film, he doesn't know what's real and what isn't. And at the very end, he still doesn't know, even when he's with his kids. Okay, well then let's post that. Straight to the let's go to the straight to the yeah. Let's let's ask the big one. Does does the top? Flip, yeah. Does, does, does well, it actually, flip over? to be fair, I'm gonna ruin this movie for everybody for oh, the rest no, of like, time. I've never cared about spoilers. That's oh, fantastic! I've always, then I've always pushed our like. I've also got this. Book. I got the spoiler horn that we can just just drop like. <laughs> That's a good call because that totem of his isn't the totem of his. Remember, that was Maul's. Someone else knew about it. The fact that it spins or drops is completely irrelevant to whether it's real life or not. His totem, you've watched it eight to ten times. You've watched it nearly 20 times. His Mm -hmm. actual totem is his wedding ring. You're right. Whenever he's in his real life mode and his IRL stance... Talking to his 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 dead wife's father, or when he's going to hug his kids, or he's on the phone talking to Arthur, and it's not a dream. He has no wedding band, but whenever he's in his sleep mode, he yeah. has one. Yeah. No one else knows the weight, texture of that wedding band. No one even notices that it's on his hand, and that is his totem. So right away at the end, if when you go back to it and you start spinning that top, it's pointless. You're like, oh, I've I've. I've it's his wedding man. It's real. Very good. He doesn't have it in that scene. It's real life. All right. Are we done here? Uh, I think I just kind of <laughs> answered the whole the crux of the problem. I mean, I always thought <laughs> it didn't matter because I felt that the whole movie was about him getting back to his kids, mm-hmm. that whether or not it is a dream or not, he's given in. He doesn't care. He's just happy to... There's there's the scene before, which is something I sort of wanted to mention, but I completely forgot about. I feel like Inception is like the Matrix. 
there's a lot of similar connections when I was rewatching it last night. Um, You're going to have to go into detail here. I'm going to try because I had remembered it last night and I slept and I should have <laughs> wrote it down. Mm. But specifically, there's a scene when they go see Yusuf and um, they talk and t- talk about the compounds and the stuff that he had made. Mm-hmm. So they go downstairs and he shows them. And then, uh, and then Dom goes under for a bit and he wakes up and he sort of like, he wakes up joltingly. Oh, okay. And yep. Yusuf is just like, sharp, eh? And right before this, they were also talking about how sleep, they were, even though they were sleeping, like, they're not, this isn't the only way they dream. This is the only way they live. And then the other guy who almost acts like the Oracle. Oh, the old point, dudes yeah. down there? And I, he's can, just I like, think I know his lines. So. And he's like, who are you to judge, sir? Right? Uh, so to me, it was like, it felt similar to The Matrix. Very so. I can understand that point where you're saying it's similar because I remember in The Matrix when he just gets pulled out and they start showing him what it's like to be in The Matrix and they start doing all the training. I think at one point he just throws up and he freaks yeah. out. But he so also, I can see that. He, yeah. also he like, he's excited about it. And it's even like the, the famous part was like, oh, I know Kung Fu. And they're like, it's good, right? And he goes, yeah, I want to go in again. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, and he, he starts like learning everything he possibly can. Yeah. But there are there are a lot of similar similarities with uh, you know the multiple realities and uh, separating what's real and what isn't and there's the tentative lines but in terms of story there's a little yeah, bit of difference it's not it's not a um, quite a bit yeah it's Quite not apocalyptic nope. I guess that's probably the biggest dip- it's, a, it's a self-apocalyptic kind of movie because I'll agree with you. Yeah. yeah yeah I'll agree with you in that he doesn't care about the means he wants the end of being with his kids yeah um and that i think is rather sad because he doesn't get a real answer he'll just take any answer and i I don't agree with that which is maybe that's why i i don't follow through well it's with that thought it's difficult to put yourself in that position you know what i mean it's science fiction aside someone who's gone through that much duress you know what I mean? Like, it's difficult to put yourself in a position where you would crack. Really, Jake? You've never lost your kids? I've never that, lost my kids. That's that's a shock. To I've me. lost a kid, but not all of them. <laughs> Still just, got sixteen to go. He's just hiding in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, he's on Young. <laughs> he's in the walls right now, talking to his North Korean brethren. It's getting hot in here. Holy smokes! I don't know. I'm fine, and I'm wearing the freaking hat. Yeah, you get the magic hat. That's, yeah, I guess that's what's so. doing it. I, I'm just shell shocked. I've been in here too long. That's the problem. No, I, no, I don't know what what is and what isn't. All I all I feel is sweat. Are we down for a drink break? Yeah, we, that's probably a good idea. We'll take a break. We'll save and we'll just grab some water. Yeah, water. Mm. And we're back. Uh, mm-hmm. So if this were video podcast, you guys would be able to see that we're recording in a sauna, but <laughs> otherwise it's. Uh, fine but we're here and uh during our break victor had said there was something he wanted to mention so well it was it was mostly just when you mentioned that the end was really everything didn't matter just to be with his kids and he didn't care where the answer came from it's very very cartesian in its in its philosophical belief the movie it was mostly about where cartesianism is 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 one of Rene Descartes' biggest things was all of mankind's life is suffering. Everyone suffers from something, whether it's an excess 
of a, something in their life or whether there isn't enough and they and they need it whether it's because they miss a child's love or they have too too much time on their hands or they don't have a job or they they have too many responsibilities to handle and one thing i when, when you mentioned you know the whole point was he didn't care whether the answer was real or not and he yeah. just wanted to be with his kids i looked this up and it made a lot of sense because descartes said in order to seek truth it is necessary once in the course of our life to doubt as far as possible all things and with your answer that's very anti descartes ish because he gave up trying to find the answer he gave up trying to find truth in your eyes yeah because he just wanted to be with his kids yeah think about it he could have been with his kids at any point he could have just gone to sleep um kind of see the thing is like they they sort of mention it that they're like this is the only way they can dream up to a point right they're to, to for them to just fall asleep like they needed to be pushed to that situation of being under under long periods of time like what was it 40 hours or for something for those guys it was 40 hour dream time for four, it was an four, hour, yeah, four, four hours, hours, an hour, something like that i did the math that doesn't make sense with the original compound just saying um too much I, work yeah no I, I i i understand that for certain people and they did mention in the movies or it was ariadne that asked that if he could still dream uh, or if he could still build and Arthur replies, I don't know if he can't, but he won't. Yeah. So I feel like he still could. There was enough there were there were enough clues in the movie saying that he still had a cognizant ability to create as much as he used to. The fact that he wouldn't is because he had an inner demon, i.e. the guilt. Yeah. His his excess of guilt. He he was suffering from the guilt of having of him being the reason why his wife committed suicide. So throughout the movie, he was trying to ameliorate that. He was trying to fix that issue, trying to get rid of it and make his life feel better. But in the end, he didn't because he still had that ghost chasing him. He still had that thought that it wasn't a real, wasn't real life. So that's how I see it playing out in terms of a philosophical standpoint. Um, you could also debate it was slightly existential because a lot of the people were there just to exist especially when you look in the and and through their dreams because mm -hmm. like he said um you build the dreamer populates so every person in that dream is part of their subconscious they have no real tangible thought of their own they just exist to exist and existentialism has that belief where there is no real meaning to life you essentially just exist you are there and you are free to do what you want, but you also have to deal with the consequences of each choice. Yeah, you have no real purpose. You just exist. Exactly. Your your existence is to exist. Yeah, and you see that throughout the film. Every time one of the subconscious populace like get, explodes at the end and, and you have everyone in in that giant concrete structure and it just falls apart and everyone just dies, no one there... It means nothing to you because, A, you're not the dreamer. You're not the architect. You're actually just watching it. But even if you were part of that scene and you're one of the dudes on a jet ski, well, not the jet ski, the the, the snow, snowmobile, snowmobile, yeah, right. or you're a dude in a tank or in the Jeep or even the one 
one guy that got the shit kicked out of him by uh by Eames by Tom Hardy. You can be that guy, and really, your life, your you you found that your purpose in that life was just to protect some old dude in a vault. There there was no real meaning to each of those characters' existence, including all the main ones. Eames found his existence as as a forger, as a thief. Most people will consider that a terrible way to live, but he found a way to live it, and he enjoyed it. I don't know if that was a choice because he wanted to do that or whether it was his upbringing. Again, we get no context to why each person does each thing. I think the person that got the most context was uh, Ellen Page's character, Ariadne. She had no idea why she was doing it. She just fell in love with it. As she said, it's pure creation. So that was her reason to start doing it. Whereas Dom was just, you know, he he got in trouble with the law because of what he did and what, what what they believe he did. They give no real explanation for Arthur, another person that just exists to exist. Nothing for Yusuf, just a guy that makes chemicals. He just likes fucking around with fucking things. It's it's a lot of it is just choice and 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 all the con- consequences that come with each choice. And for Dom's big consequence, or Dom's big consequence for that choice is that he decided to put his faith in some guy he never met before. He was actually trying to steal from in the first place at the very beginning before it loops back to the end, which was the beginning. Again, that's a very complicated scene to kind of discuss. Um, But he, every character there had no real underlying purpose to be there, just the fact that they were there and they were following through. It was a very self-serving group of people. Yeah, it's... They were a self-serving group of people and I felt like a lot of them were brought together to, you know, because of their skills. They, they all had a, un- a unique set of skills that, mm-hmm. that drew them together. Uh, but one thing that draws humanity together together and gives us sort of purpose and, and drive is, is power. And Depends who you ask. A lot of people do choose power. They, they, they search for that. And it also is how you define power. There's a lot of different ways to define power, and and one is is you know mastery over man, wealth, and and control. Those those are the main ways that we define power. But the other thing about Inception, it's an incredibly powerful thing that you're doing is incepting somebody. You, you're you're changing their entire course of thought. You're changing their subconscious. You're changing their entire life, the way that their path is going to take by without them having any knowledge of what you're doing. You're messing with the core of their existence. What they believe is the reason they're here. Yeah, exactly. And especially when you break down what they were doing uh, in such a, a unique and terrifying manner. Like he, you have no idea that someone is inside your your mind, your core existence, and screwing around and pulling strings. It's a terrifying thing. and It's incredibly powerful. It's very Freudian. It is. Because you could mess with someone in so many ways, and you could you could really screw somebody up. I think this past time I watched it, that was the time I noticed that the most. When Eames gives that explanation saying, like, we want to show how he should be his own man and take over. And he ends up explaining, like, oh, this is what's going to happen, and it's going to, like, have repercussions throughout the rest of his life. He's going to be a different man. Yeah. yeah, and I never never took stock of that. Yeah, I think so. It, it, I don't think it's as impactful the first time around, 
partly because the visuals are so fantastic. There's so many other things. There's mm-hmm. so many other things going on. And not to make say that as like, like to discredit it, but there's just so many different. It's it seems less significant. Yeah. In the, in the first viewing, I would say it's something. Even in the second viewing, it, it can be something you can gloss over because there are so many other things that you can sort of zero in on as you're going through. Especially you bring in existentialism because there's so many moments that make you really question. A lot about the characters and a lot of, what about yourself? A lot of the absurdity. The flipping of the cityscape. Oh, it's amazing. That's pro- that, that is definitely, the, hands down, the most memorable scene in the movie. I well, will agree. The other one that really blew my mind was when the fruit stand starts to explode. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was great. It's... But I sort of just put them together. But then I think the other one is also like the bridge. Oh, yeah. I think, oh, it's, I think yeah. it's when she's just practicing. Just the first time. That entire sequence is just like magnificent where it's just like she starts pulling these mirrors out of nowhere to make a never-ending never-ending bridge and it's uh it's mesmerizing it really is it's it's a great shot yeah i i was blown away i was i never would have come up with that in my life you could have sat me down at a table with with every possible substance abuse substance ever and i would never come up with that (laughs) that also works with like the moment beforehand when he's like, give me a maze I can't get out of. And then after a few tries, she flips it over and makes a circular one instead. You have two minutes to design a maze that it takes a minute to solve. And every maze up until the final one was just a rectangle. And you look at it and it's so easy for you. to. You're just staring at the paper. Yeah. It's so easy for you to solve. So, so then she flips the book. Yes, I agree. I don't know why I had to go into detail for that scene. I just felt <laughs> like it was necessary. Give context to who's ever listening. Yeah, it's yeah, good for the listener. Haven't listened to it. Again, I've watched, watched this movie so many times, so. Uh, it's gonna. It happens a lot for me. Uh, something you were saying about the Pete way, people would just explode within the dream, like the subconscious uh, entities, and how you just didn't care. That was something to sidestep for a moment. I f- like loved a lot about Dunkirk was that there was a lot of like unknown characters and just there, but you felt it for all of them, and I was surprised that i was like i cared about so many characters i've never i don't even remember who played them or like what they look like but to see them in like but that doesn't count towards the ones that were already dead right yeah i don't know okay i'm not gonna ruin the movie but there were a lot of characters that showed up already dead and then ones that you found out were about to die yeah it was uh then there's like scene there's there's one scene uh, particularly, that sort of shows. Is this a spoiler alert thing or potentially? Yeah, I think it's probably a good idea. A little quick spoiler. The heads up. Uh, I'll try and still be kind of vague about it, but one scene seems where like one of the character is okay, like he's safe, everything's gonna be fine. But then when we finally get to his perspective, we're like, oh, he's in uh a lot more trouble than originally what it seemed like and then even though when you see goes back to him the first thought is oh he's safe it sort of plays out and makes you realize there's a lot more happening i think i understand what you're saying where it's it's not very clear from one perspective but once you see his perspective he's significantly in i i haven't seen it so i don't want to i don't want to project anything and and be correct you know what i mean yeah yeah. um but so from what i'm gathering with dunkirk there's a lot of like ensemble casting and multiple perspectives it jumps around in time and 
I guess one of the things that I can sort of get from it is it's a pretty horrific movie. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot that goes on. I don't think Nolan shies away from it. Uh, and he, like, leans into how bad it must have been. Well, yeah, the Battle of Dunkirk was one of the ba- bloodiest battles in the war. It really was. It was really one of those inches kind of battles, not feet. Yeah. A lot of blood, a lot of mud. And I could see that being something that you'd want to, st- you know, stylistically and, and visually revisit because there's there's so much passion in those those what those men had to overcome. Um, again, I haven't seen it, so I should shut the fuck up. Should let you guys talk about uh, it. No, you're doing a good job. Yes, no, it's Just fine. Trying to sell it. I only wanted to mention that one bit, but then to s- jump back onto Inception, there's the, uh, I I guess while talking a bit about emotion, did the emotion work for you guys in it? Um, at times there were moments, but I again I wouldn't say that it was an emotionally driven film. I would say it was more more self actualizing. He. He went out of his way to try and fix his own life, even if it meant that he was going to follow a path that either wasn't going to work, he was going to get double crossed, or he was just going to, you know, just 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 fail in general. I think if we're gonna we can get more specific, like when, uh, if I remember right, because I stopped watching, so I don't remember exactly how it, the audience finds out, but when we see the scene where she like finally commits suicide and jumps off the building. Mm-hmm. Was that scene effective? Cause yeah. I would say yes. I it personally it was, it was effective for me. I, I thought it was like, it, it really, it was a scene that, t- well, first of all, it, it tied a lot of things together. It may, it brought a lot of things into the forefront and made them very clear as to why, you know, the characters were so damn, he was so damaged. Why and he was suffering as much. Why he was suffering so much. And, and then, you know, the whole montage of, why she got to that point as well i it was right the same that was the same I scene think so. i think so right like that's if i remember right that was the same montage and pretty much ending he's explaining what happened yeah and um yeah i i, I had an emotional response to that i really did because i, I kind of knew that's what we're, where we're going but actually seeing it in front of them and and yeah it was pretty it was pretty tragic i feel I like the choice. first few times i saw it it was obviously very affecting i have because again, I didn't finish it last night, but so I don't know how it would how it would react having seen it again after already knowing everything that's gonna happen. But that also adds to the fact that I think the movie's super uh, rewatchable, which we've all seen it multiple times. Oh, yeah. times oh, that earlier on in the movie, when Mouse says for the first time we hear it, uh, "I have a riddle," and starts talking about the train, and, waiting for a train. And I'm not going to continue. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> going into that, like, as she starts saying it, the first time you watch it, you're, part of you wants to figure out sort of where this is going. But on the second viewing, you start, I started getting, like, a bit choked up. Even last night, I'm getting choked up going, like, oh, what? And I was like, I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. And it hurts. And I was actually, last, well, today, when I rewatched it again, I finally got a, I got one scene that I'd never noticed before. And this is directly after... Uh, Saito figures out that he's uh, he was having a dream within a dream and he's it was just after they all kind of they're in the train 
and they're all like, every man for himself. I'm getting off at Kyoto. And Arthur asks him, why getting off so soon? And he turns to him and he says, I don't like trains. Yeah. I never noticed yeah. that until today. And I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. 20 <laughs> rewatches later and I'm still learning new things. Yeah. It's, there's so much happening in the movie. And again, that's not to discredit it, but it it helps that on multiple watches, because the first time you watch it, you're like, this is complicated. Even though there's a lot of exposition, none of it ever feels like Forced. it's a, yeah, you're not like dragging your way through it. It's entertaining and it's fun and pardon and, pardon this, but it there's so many levels to it. Yeah, uh, they don't uh, they don't crash into each other. They're just nightly nicely layered, so that when you do do rewatch it, there is a lot of rewatchability, and you can re you reinterpret scenes multiple different ways based on what you already know is coming. Like you mm. said, and like Mal's performance is also uh, uh, can't be overlooked. Like it was very very powerful and very you know erratic and shaky and emotional and and still at the same time really like, fragile and, and accessible and i feel like that makes sense considering his last memory of her is like one of his worst when right when she jumps off and that's how he's going to remember her continuously so when she shows up subconscious he remembers the loving side but then immediately at any point she's ready to turn and uh, on everyone around you yeah can see that like when he attached the rope to the chair opening scene again yeah and he's sliding down the building asks her to stay and she puts on a face of like disdain and she just disappears and the chair goes flying so he can't hold on no i can see that yeah. or the scene back on the bridge when she uh arianda gets stabbed right yeah and she shows up out of nowhere is like who's this girl Arthur's like ah so you met him yeah her, her wife you've met uh mrs mrs cobb yeah yeah Gosh. No, I, 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 I 100% agree that she was a very well written, period. Just a great character. She she was a driving force behind the whole movie. And that's why I think that the whole point of the movie wasn't so much that he wanted to be with his kids, so much as he was trying to relieve himself of the suffering of the idea of murdering his wife. Because let's be honest, it was that's what that's what the U.S. called it. The U.S. called it a murder. That's why he was, that's why they were looking for him. Yeah. So... He was trying to not only know, just like, clear his name. We should. I think we should touch on that. Like, I don't think that's a murder. It's very difficult to classify that, but I don't know if that's a murder. Like you manslaughter? Yeah, I would say it's closer to manslaughter because it's it's not it's not second degree murder. You know what I mean? And it's not it's not assisted suicide. But because it was a suicide, it wasn't real technically a murder. Although I guess the way it looks on the outside, they weren't there. So I guess it does kind of look like he may have shoved her at the window. That's exactly it, though. You know? So, but uh, it's not a murder. Not to us, because we understand the backstory behind it. We were able to be there when she explains it. I guess you're right. We saw the dramatic irony we were able to see around, but I guess you're right. The evidence would support otherwise. I feel like Cobb would also see it as a murder in his own way, trying to, like, handle that guilt going... Um, essentially thinking like I pushed her to do this. I essentially killed her myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm just saying from from our perspective, looking in. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he, I could see how he could rationalize it as I murdered her with my own hands by driving her to to get to that state. Absolutely. And I think most people would. It's it's a it's a messy situation. Them them dream diving. You know, it's it gets it gets hairy.
All right, unnecessary question. Who do you think had the best totem? Oh. You remember them? I only remember two. Which ones? I mean, obviously, Chops, but also the loaded die. Because right. I didn't get further, so currently, like, I'm blanking. Cobb's, the, was it Maul's top, or was it his wedding ring that you remember? Probably I remember, the top, right? I, I, had, I was aware of the, the wedding ring thing. Nolan has, will never confirm or deny which is which, but I was aware of the, I'm going to call it the theory of the wedding ring. Um, but so, so I knew both, but I sort of forgot about it until you mentioned it on air. All right. Jake, favorite? If God. you have a favorite, uh, it's if a very uh, personal I love the loaded die. I thought that was great. That was pretty I good. really did. Yeah. Um, I've, I love the, of the wedding ring theory as well. I still subscribe to the top theory a little bit just because it, for, for storytelling sake, you know, yeah. but it is Nolan. So it's tough. Um, uh, fuck. I fuck. There were there were seven characters in their team. Um, no, there were six characters in their team, um, and you really only got to see four. And my favorite is actually the fourth, Ariadne's, the bishop. Remember that? Oh yeah, bishop was cool. And she, I she took. I don't remember what it was made out of, but she took an engraving tool and she hollowed it out, and so only she knew the exact weight and size and shape of it all. And it was really cool because I like as a loser, I enjoy chess as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I was super happy that they took something as a name as a chess piece and turned it into a totem. It could have been anything, but they went with the chess piece. And I, I honestly, I feel like out of all the characters, we could easily make a theory that she would be the bishop along all of those like chess pieces. Oh, yeah. I like almost. that. Yeah. So if we were to follow that. Oh. Into another forty-minute segment. Oh no! <laughs> what are all the pieces? <laughs> oh man! Who's the pawn? Probably Cillian. No, Cillian Murphy's character. Robert. Robert. Yeah. Because yeah. he's one being played. Cillian or Killian? Cillian. Is it? It's I don't Cillian. Okay. It is. Did you know? Tro- quote me on that. Okay, I'll quote you. You're the expert. Yeah, we have to quote you. All right, okay. Did you know, wait, did you know why Christopher (laughs) Nolan loves putting him in every single movie since Batman Begins? Por qué? He's gone on record. He said, I just love the color of his eyes. (laughs) Are you serious? That's what he has said. (laughs) That's fair. And the funny thing is, ever since I was aware, every single time I see a Nolan film in the theater, and there's like a close-up on him, and I'm like, oh, it's like bright blue. And that's why. Great for video. Yeah, yeah. It looks nice. Comes real good. Comes up real good on 70 mil. Yeah. Play <laughs> that. Hey, man. No one looks at all the angles and levels. That's two. I got Fuck two you. in there. Fuck you. <laughs> two in there right now. And try two and get, two get appearances like... from you back to back, and that's it. And that's yes. it. There's no third. Never again. Um. There was the... Because it's a bit non-linear and it's all over the place, they have the reoccurring theme of time, uh, like the actual music uh, from the score, which I think is one of the best, like original pieces I've heard from a movie in a while. Oh, long, and they also discussed this. Yeah, and the score is incredible, but everything just there's just chills by the time you get to time playing, and you hear it like inklings throughout the film, just like teasing it to when you get it and this also adds to the rewatchability that once every single time it comes you you get that like 
urge, the, these mini goosebumps as they start. And then when it finally starts playing near the end, you're, it's so like pushes the emotional level of the scene that it adds so much more. Not to mention Hans Zimmer has like changed how like movie scores has changed since 2010. Oh, he's, I hate to use this term, but he's a genius. He really is. He, yeah. he, he has called me a genius outside. I know. I'm just being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got this amazing ability to pull sounds out of I have no idea where. Like he works on a completely different level. It's it's just fantastic. And and time really is. Like I hate to reiterate what you're saying, but he, it is something I haven't heard anything close to it. There's there's a few things. Oh, you, hands up. What you oh, got? Yes. We had this discussion yesterday about the yeah. best score ever. 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 Best musical score for a movie. Oh. Jurassic Park. Oh. That was my reaction, too. Oh, God. That is... I'd have tough, tough time arguing that. And Jurassic that song Park's is, best. like, 14 minutes long, too, isn't it? Yep. The Jurassic Park theme like is... Like, the legitimate from start to finish? Yep. Not not the not the cut part where no, you like... first see the sauropods. Yeah. The actual beginning to end is... It's it's an overture. It's long. It's, it's... massive. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, if this was back in 1999, that would be all of the memory space on your old iPod. That was it. You know what I could say, though, is I would say that Jurassic Park is a very great traditional soundtrack, traditional traditional style of writing for film, whereas Time is is more – it's a more modernized version. It's condensed, but it also has the ability to be snipped up and and Mm -hmm. gives it, like you were saying, the ability to pop up here and there and still remain what it is. Yeah. Whereas Jurassic Park is just it's strings and orchestral and, and traditional. I'm talking, talking uh, too much. I don't know how you feel about Jurassic World, mm. but uh, even when they use like the piano version of the Jurassic Park theme and they like slow it down a bit, it it brought chills to me every single time I saw that trailer in the theater because it was just like so powerful and loud. And I'm only hearing like a snippet of a few keys. Okay, I have to say though, yes, I did have an emotional response when I saw the trailer. Um, I do have a serious problem with the way that trailers are being designed, and I'm I'm saying designed because they are being designed to market a certain way. Well, yeah, that's 100%. the point of a trailer. Yeah, but they're all the same. But they it's also the same. like sell wrong movies. I think. And I agree. True. I think they sell movies like a certain t- style of genre movies the same way they sell action movies sometimes, and it it makes no sense. That works because uh, recently there was it comes at night, which is uh to me a fantastic horror film about people in uh in a shitty apocalyptic situation, uh, but the trailer made it seem. Like it was people against something, the disease, some other being, this other entity. Not versus self. Or not versus. It's not self, but it's like versus other, other person. Yeah, because yeah. it's 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 more about the paranoia of you don't know what the person across from you is going to do in this situation, but you're afraid of what they're capable of, and the trailers didn't sell that, and I was aware of that when I went to go see it opening weekend, loved it. Last week or two weeks ago, I went to see it. With some of my coworkers, there was it was five of us that went, 
the theater was pretty full, surprisingly, like a month after release. Nobody in the theater except me, I think, liked it. Really? Everyone else, like, audibly was groaning at the end. One dude in front of me was like, this was not a horror film. This was bullshit. Can, we call, it, can we call it the Shyamalan effect? Maybe? I would, I would consider it that. I would say, because <laughs> if you look at his several releases since, I guess, even The Sixth Sense would be the, the one that doesn't belong to it. But you had The Village... And you had, what was that one where it was... Lady in uh, the Water. Yeah. Happening. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. All of those, they like, sold a different movie. I they, like Signs. I'm, signs was legit, though, because they told you essentially what yeah. was the main issue. I like Everything half else wasn't. of the village. Like, I like good. the first half of the village. Okay. You, you thought there was a monster. It wasn't. It's essentially yeah. the same movie. Similar. Yeah. yeah it's true. So. He's written the same movie like seven times. Yeah. It's it's, and the trailers totally make it sound different. It's not. It's people just. I'm willing to back people. for Shyamalan again because I think The Visit and Split are really great movies. Well, Split was ruined for me, but I still want to see it because it awful. seems like it's awful. You didn't like no, it. No, no, no. I really like Split. It's awful that it was spoiled. Oh, that it was spoiled. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? Have you seen Split? You can ruin it for me. I'm probably never gonna. Oh, watch I don't want to do it because it's it's a fantastic. I'll watch it anyway, but it's. Uh... No, no, I, I wasn't. Even, I wasn't even going to go into it because if people haven't seen it, I know you don't like spoilers, but it's a really small. I don't, I don't mind spo. I don't like when spoilers interrupt the chance for conversation. That's, That's fair. The... That's fair. Um, I think I can talk around it, but but just by saying, I haven't seen it. I will still see it, but the idea of that, I enjoy. Of what it opens up. What it opens up, I enjoy. The I enjoy funny the thing is, I wouldn't say for me that's what like deterred me from wanting to go see it or anything because the visit already proved to me in a way that Shyamalan was back and I was like okay he knows he fucked up he might be onto something yeah and then I found out what happens in split and I immediately went I have to see this as soon as possible if this works then he's back he's got something this yeah. is this is this is cool and it's solid it's claustrophobic it's intense it's i think split's really good yeah i, I have to see it that's uh, that's another one on my list as soon as we, we stop recording see it together oh i promise i won't hold your hand too tightly um, too yeah, tightly my girl will get jealous <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well we wandered around quite a lot i enjoyed that i yeah. really did you'll enjoy it next week too i <laughs> <laughs> A Leo double feature. Oh shit! I didn't notice that one. Bah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covers most of Inception and about six to eight other films. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. Oh, we'll get back to one. talking about the chess pieces later. I have to think about that. I I really do. Yeah. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'll have to think about that. Yeah, I will get back to you on that though. Over I, I, pizza. Oh yeah, over we'll discuss pizza? that I'm over down pizza. For that. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, pizza's probably here by now too. Perfect. Yeah. Good timing. You guys want to tell everyone that's listening what's on those pizzas? I don't even uh, know. Fucking shit ton. Yeah. It took it took Kenneth a one... fucking fortnight to order all those. <laughs> he started when we got out there, and we went back in like 20 minutes after, and he's like, "Okay, I'm about to start it," and I'm like, "The fuck." Yeah, we were expecting just to have a quick drink and get back in, but next thing you know, 
We're ordering seven pizzas. And they all friends. have Brooklyn pepperoni on it. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, I know. I got something for that. Hold on. Um. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Kite man. Hell yeah. Kite man. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was sort of ruined, but next week, Atomic Blonde and the Emoji movies coming out. So yeah. I had no way of really finding something to relate it to. So Jake and I came back and we talked about The Revenant. Uh, also Kenneth will join us in the future for that episode as well in the future spoiler yeah it's got a this is very memento yeah it it was on purpose it It was on purpose yeah Mm. yeah 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 I like the anachronological format you guys going on I I appreciate it I hope it's not always like this but it's fun because I gotta try and figure out the math and the timeline as I go I feel like you should actually start playing it out that way and just write down your intro quips as though next week is going to be the first time you're going to meet this person, but you already met them in the past, so hey. <laughs> Maybe. Bah! <laughs> All right, I think that's a good place. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Jake, oh, anything to plug? Uh, you, you can listen to me uh, every Sunday at the podcast, 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 podcast. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the podcast, 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 podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well at Jake V. Wright. Um, other than that, uh, I exist. Existence cool. is good. Yep. Is I, I know, of... but I know I exist. I'm aware of it. Mm. I pinch myself all I mean, the time. I'll ask you, but I don't think you do. Do you have anything to plug? Yeah, if you guys need to mail anything, <laughs> um, I work for a freight delivery company. So just go ahead and send some. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna plug that. I don't really care. <laughs> hey, right. if you need a goaltender. This guy, you're not getting any of my contact info, but hey, nope. ice hockey's coming up, boys. Message me and I'll let you know. Yeah. I hope somebody from another country messages us. Yeah, I hope you get a. I hope you get a call up from Sweden. I'm down. Those guys can play. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so my Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff's so all at Pocket Writer. Uh, check out my writings at FilmQ.com. There should be things soonish. I hope I can't keep track of and write daily anymore. The more you know. (laughs) And goodbye. (laughs) Bye!